We are live talking sports. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, viewers, for tuning in, joining us. And Andy Yanez, who will tweet out what he does. He's really good at that. Well, he's better at uh, that stuff than, than me and you. It's the on Gen social Z. media. Yeah. The Gen Z stuff. Youngsters man. know how to do all that stuff. But I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review, joined by Andy Yanez from the Community Impact Newspaper and Willie Gibson. Journalist who covers the Ohio State Buckeyes and Ohio. You cover the Cavs and, you know, Ohio sports, yeah, right? So, yeah. The Browns, Cavs, yep. yep. All right, let's get into this, man. Um, I want to recap something we touched on Sunday in Sunday's show, talking sports about Penny Hardaway and the Orlando Magic. Well, Penny staying with Memphis, the Memphis Tigers, college basketball. That's good for the conference. But fellas, one of the things that I didn't think about this, we didn't talk about it in Sunday's show, was one possibility was Penny spoke to the Magic for leverage with Memphis. Maybe to get something better for Memphis, you know, better money, contract, whatever. Oh, we just lost our man Andy. So, all right, so, Will, it's me and you then, man. So let's just yeah. make it a little bigger. So let's do it like that for right now. Um, I didn't think about that. What do you think about Penny using leverage because he hired LB, Larry Brown, to join his staff. Larry Brown's 80 years old, man. <laughs> Come on. <Yeah. laughs> hey, man, he's a lifer. Basketball lifer, I guess, you know. But I get it. I mean, and we talked about Penny being um, a businessman making power moves, and he made the ultimate power move. He made he used, and coaches do it. Coaches right. do it all the time. They get, you know, their agents plant their name for opening. Uh, potentially, they could leave to get more money from the, the current employer. And, and, you know, he did nothing uh, that any other coach would not do, has not done. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of par for the course. That's that's what coaches do. And, you know, I don't I don't fault him. I don't blame him at all. Andy, you're back now. Can you can you uh, chime in on Penny Stan in Memphis? Whoa. Yeah, I'm back, man. And the moment you click live, it, it just started buffering again. Something about the we've had three straight weeks of just technical issues. It's yeah, all right, Andy. It's, I think it's, it's still live. buffering. It's live. We hear you fine, man. Just keep on talking. We hear you fine. All right, yeah, Will has well, shared it on the subject of Penny Hardaway and deciding to stay on Memphis. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, go ahead, yes. man. Yep. Look, oh. like, look like he just. I like think it's freezing. Um, I was yeah, gonna you, say. Go ahead. Just keep talking. It's live, man. Just keep talking. Just roll with it. All right. This. Uh, well, I was gonna say when in terms of Memphis, Penny Hardaway staying is perfect for the University of Memphis, and like we we mentioned last week, where. I think one of the downsides of if Penny would have taken that job with the Orlando Magic would have been just leaving the University of Memphis, Memphis high and dry, especially, you know, so late in terms of where the summer is right now, it's July already. And if he would have left that program at, at this point, it would have been it would have been an awkward situation just for the entire university. So good for them. And of course, good for the American Athletic Conference, because it's another thing they can tell. And. With Penny Hardaway in Memphis, at least for the near future, that's something that will make the conference better just in terms of how good he's been able to recruit the past. I mean, since he's been in Memphis. 
Larry Brown, Andy. Larry Brown is almost four times your age. What do you think about him joining yeah. the staff? <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. It's better for Memphis. And like you mentioned, one of the things that players uh, that attracts players is that NBA experience that people may have on the coaching staff. And that's just another benefit to keep keep up with the recruiting class that they've had in the in the last couple of seasons. All right, let's get into it. Rockets, we got uh, – it's going to be a combo. Rockets, Houston Rockets, Houston Cougars discussion. We'll chime in on this, man, because uh, the Chronicles, Jonathan Fagan put out his first mock draft yesterday. And he has the Rockets taken with the second pick, Jalen Green, Will. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. you cover the Cavs, and I know that doesn't make you happy to hear that, but this, <laughs> what are your thoughts? And let me read what, what Jonathan says about uh, Jalen mm-hmm. Green at two. The Rockets could go a variety of ways with the second pick, with the next three players likely to be selected worthy and offering very different strengths. Green's offensive potential is especially attractive. And we'll just, just add to it, he has uh, Evan Mobley going three to the Cavs. Ah. Well, here's the thing. Um, Evan Mobley three to the Cavs would work when and if Kevin Love is traded. Now the the, the rumor de jour, if you will, has uh, Kevin Love and Colin Sexton, which is interesting because they bumped heads quite a bit the last few years, last two years specifically in, uh, up in Cleveland. They have uh, Kevin Love and Colin Sexton going to Miami for uh Tyler Hero. Um I think it's uh, uh Andre Iguodala was part of that deal. Only for money purposes, I'm sure. Sure. Right. And then uh Precious uh, the kid, sure. the, the, Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. Um uh, the only reason I don't like and I say that because Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, that combination could work. Um, I've also heard, which I don't like, uh, um, them drafting Evan Mobley and then also signing and trading Jared Allen elsewhere to accumulate more assets. I'm not a fan of that. I think you, you Jared Allen fell into your lap when James Harden traded. You, you know, for those that may not have known uh, Brooklyn was still about $2 million short clearing cap space to uh, bring in James Harden. So they called Cleveland and said, Hey, would you be interested in Jared Allen? And Kobe Altman, of course said, by all means, yeah, yeah, let, let's do it. So they sent Milwaukee's first round pick this year that they got in the previous deal to Brooklyn. I think, I think they passed that on to Houston in that deal as well. I think that's the 24th pick. Mm-hmm. Yep. that Houston mm-hmm. has. So, um, I mean, you've heard uh, Jonathan Karinga. Uh, you've heard um, Scotty Barnes at three, which he, a lot of conversation was attached to him at six when it was thought that Cleveland couldn't move up and they would be drafting at six. Uh, Scotty Barnes from Florida State was a name that you heard quite a bit. They need size. I mean, they, they've drafted guards uh, three straight years. It's, it's not going to fly even with them trading potentially a Colin Sexton they have to get bigger and um 
you know, uh, and then when I say bigger, not necessarily a, a four five, but a bigger guard. They drafted six one guards, right. and it's just not working. So Jalen Green at six five would have been perfect in Cleveland, and he can, you know, he's a walking bucket, gets his own shot. I, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, and I bring it up week after week. And, you know, since we, I'm on two Houston based guys, Kevin Porter Jr. would have been perfect. <laughs> they had him. Uh, and moving on, <laughs> but um, you know it, it'd be uh, the the pick could be for sale if in fact Jalen Green goes at two. Um, I'm not opposed or I'm not uh, going to be shocked. In fact, if if Kobe Altman is is making that pick for someone else and it's moved uh, after the moratorium is is lifted, and we're going to talk right now about the Rockets. So Rocket fans, who I know I got a a whole. A copious amount of rocket followers on Houston Round Bar Reviews YouTube channel. The Rockets, Fagan, Jonathan Fagan, has at the 23rd pick, Trey Murphy, the third from Virginia slash Rice, because uh, Trey played at Rice first, then transferred to Virginia and played at Virginia this past season for the Cavaliers. 6'8 forward. Um, this is what Fagan says about him. Andy and I can talk about him a little bit more in detail. That's a second. Murphy has seemed to move up steadily and could climb a bit more, take him out of the Rockets' reach. But if he's still on the board, he has a 3-and-D potential, the Rockets would covet. Trey shot 43% from three this past season at Virginia. Rice and U of H played each other two seasons ago at uh, Tudor Fieldhouse. Andy's mm-hmm. first time covering, attending a, a game at Rice. Trey Murphy, that first half, U of H had no answer for him whatsoever. They, he was lighting him up from outside, had a pump fake, drove baseline for a dunk. The crowd was hyped up. Then he sprained his ankle and was never the same after that. And he barely he played the second half, but he did not score more than two points in the second half. And then Quentin Grimes got hot in the second half. And up U of H come back and win that ball game. I think Quinn scored 32 points in that game, and 20 something of them came in the second half to lead the comeback charge. But Trey Murphy has skills. He is legit. He's still getting better. He's six eight. Mm-hmm. He needs to get stronger, like you know, many college players do. But he would not be a bad pick at 23 for the Rockets. And he he's gonna. I've seen him projected higher, in, you know, around 20 or so. I think. Um, some folks had him going, yeah, 21 to the to the Knicks. I've seen him going to the Knicks at 21. So he has potential. He'd be a good fit in the Rocket system. He shoots well from three, shoots well from two overall. Free throw shooting is very solid as well. But Andy, at that game, what were your thoughts on when you saw Trey Murphy against U of H? I think he'd be the perfect fit for the Rockets if he's there and available for them. Oh, did I freeze? Can you guys hear me? Okay, we're here now, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're good now. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Oh, not in sync, this, though, so, it, so we got a delay. It's a little stormy, too. I don't know. That's playing. Oh, man. Well, so, yeah, so I, I guess we'll just reason, go with the delay, but I was going to say. Go with the flow, man. Go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that he'd be a perfect fit for the Rockets with what they want to do. I mean, you can never have any, too many 3 and D players, especially at the 
guard position. But one thing I, I remember from when U of H played Rice uh, before the game, Kelvin Sampson was giving high praise to Trey Murphy. I think before that game, he called him the best college player in the city of Houston, which, I mean, that's high praise from Kelvin Sampson. And, and he delivered, like you said, in that first half against U of H. And then going over to Virginia and being able to continue to show what he can, what he brought to the table to a larger audience to against different opponents. I think, am I uh, disconnecting? I think I got lost. Am I back? Just keep talking, man. Just keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking until you oh. want to restart the, your system. Yeah. You know, we'll log off and do it again. It's live, man. Don't sweat it. <laughs> until we get a major sponsor. No. Man, I, I have no concerns. Just keep on flowing. What? No, I'm just confused because for a second it looks like you guys are paused. So I have no idea if I'm just talking into the abyss. Um, but yeah, like I said, that was high praise from Kelvin Sampson calling him the best college player in the city of Houston. And, and then going out there in the game and. Showing, like you mentioned, that first half against U of H is always known for their defense, and then transitioning over to Virginia and, I mean, say, stepping into that team and proving it's a different, a uh, different um, set of opponents and to a wider audience, and that's it's interesting to see a stock rising late. Kind of, um, I wouldn't compare it to Quentin Grimes in the situation because they're different in terms of where they're ranking, but the way he would fit with the Rockets, I feel like he'd be perfect. And at 24, Fagan has the Rockets and the pickets from Milwaukee. As in take has the Rockets picking Isaiah Williams, 6'8, another 6'8 forward from Stanford. Now, he had up and down a season at Stanford. You know, part of that, Stanford had issues with COVID and all the kind of things. Everybody did. But he had a, he was inconsistent. Mm -hmm. I think his potential is there, but comparing the two, Zaire. And Trey Murphy, in terms of shooting, offensive skills, Trey is more advanced than Zaire is right now. But 28. Well, Mr. Gibson. Yes, sir. 28. Jonathan Fagan has Quentin Grimes going to the Philadelphia 76ers. This He is the second person to have Grimes going to Philly at 28. I've seen six or seven mock drafts so far only two have quentin going in the first round both of them of those, both of those two people who have been going in the first round have been going to philly at 28. other rest of the mock drafts have him going in the 40s late 40s things like that i think everybody agrees he will get drafted i do believe there's still an outside chance he can go in the late first round uh but 28 to philly with the Houston connection, Daryl Morey, you know, being there in charge of personnel, he's seen Quentin before here in town. He, you know, obviously he can, you know, call up Kelvin and get Kelvin's input, you know, specifically about Quentin if he has any questions. But I think that'd be a good fit. I think Quentin has the, the three-point shooting that the Sixers can use. He's got good size, he's 6'5", uh, he's st strong body, and he's, he's got some uh, ability to run the offense as well. You know, I'm all about versatility. I want my guards and bigs to do more than one thing, if you know, if possible. And Quentin can do that. And plus, he learned how to play defense and rebound under Kelvin Sampson because if he didn't do those two things, he wasn't going to play a lot. 
<laughs> so, but in your opinion, Will, this thoughts on Quentin Grimes going to Philly and how he would fit with the Sixers? I think it makes perfect sense as you, for the reasons you stated. Um, they need punch off the bench. I mean, he's 6'5", he's a shooter, he's a scorer, um, not afraid to take the shot, unlike recent history in Philadelphia, some some players. Um, he, he can play defense. And as you said, the more things you can do in, in Doc Rivers' offense, and Doc Rivers' system, if you will, the better. And Danny Green, I believe, is a free agent. Uh, he's 34, 35 years old. So not saying he's coming in as the starter, but with Danny Green um, being a free agent, that he, he fills a role. He, he he has ability to come in and do some similar things, similar size. Um, I don't know that he's a shooter at this juncture of his career that Danny Green is as a 12, 13-year veteran, but he would be someone that, and for all intents and purposes for uh, financial considerations, he's less expensive as well by far. So, you know, you bring a talent like that on a rookie deal, Philadelphia, I think it makes perfect sense. And with what you said, again, Daryl Morey, the, the Houston connection, the the intel that he has being in the city formally, again, it makes perfect sense. Andy and Will, slide to the left just a little bit, just a little bit. Slide to your left just a little. There you go. Andy, you touched on this Sunday, I think, about uh, Quentin Grimes going to Philadelphia. Mm. What are your thoughts on his fit with Philly? Um, I think it's an interesting fit in terms of the dynamic with what Philadelphia is looking for. Obviously, what they showed this past postseason, they could certainly use a, another person that could shoot three and then um, and it, it, that roster might change, but I'm not entirely sure. I feel like if he were to go to a team like Philadelphia or one of those teams in the late first round, he'd probably spend a lot more of this, this upcoming season in the G League. He wouldn't get a lot of playing time in terms of you know, playing in the NBA. And uh, with Pops Lamajama that we recorded a, an episode that came out on Thursday, we, we kind of looked at the, the, the end of the first round, early second round, and looked at the teams that were there and Honestly, I think when it comes to fit and being able to play more and, and get NBA minutes, I think it might be better if he slides a little bit in, and gets taken in the early second round instead of being taken by one of those teams in the in the late first round. I know Orlando is one of those teams that has a, an early second round pick, and I think New Orleans had a couple of has has a couple of picks in that early the first five second round picks. I feel if you were to go to teams like that, not necessarily in terms of of fit, but I think it might be better for him in terms of getting NBA experience right off the bat. I think if he goes to Philadelphia, he probably might not see a lot of NBA minutes, especially with uh, Doc Rivers. I think that's been one of his criticisms, not giving uh, a lot of trust to rookies, although this past season was a little bit different with uh, with Maxi there. That's, that's an interesting take. Um, I could see it. I think it depends on the G League, the team the NBA team first and then the G League team that they have because there are some franchises that do a better job of developing talent in the G League than others. Right. Um, you know, Nate Hinton was with the Mavs, I think, the whole season. I mean, this season in aberration because of COVID. 
but he was on a two-way contract. I'm not sure how much time Nate spent in the G League. Yeah, he, I he think was with he the Mavs Pro Team. I think he might have only played like ten or twelve games with the G League team. So you know, how much of a benefit did he get? You know, did he did he learn more from being with the, the Mavs? You know, being in the show, working out in practice, you know, going against the pros. Or did he learn more in the, in the handful of times he, you know, saw in the G League, you know, playing the G League bubble? I mean, of course, the G League this year was just a month, you know, February mm-hmm. in in the bubble. So it's not your typical G League ex, G League experience. So I could see it. I, I'm more – I'm really, I think, if you're not ready, if you're not going to get consistent minutes with the major – with the big club, spend time in the G League get minutes until you get to a point where there's nothing enough for you to, to accomplish. You know, you just killed everybody in the G league and it's time you're ready. It, it, you proved me ready to, to be in the show. Now, if Quentin can do that, great. That means he'll, he'll be up soon. If it takes him a while to adjust, you know, any rookie, not just, you know, Quentin, but any rookie, I think the G league does have its merits. So you bring up a good point because there are some teams in the NBA who have high second round picks who could stunt and ruin a young player's development. Hmm. I mean, they, they're just, they, they stink for a reason. <laughs> you know I mean? Hmm. So getting a lot of minutes with those teams, how, how beneficial is that going to be for you, you know, in the long run? Right. So we'll see about that. Chris, there's one more team that I, I wanted to mention. I'm curious. I'm not sure. I mean, I'll, I'll just throw it out there and you tell me how, if you could see it happening. What about Brooklyn? At, I believe they have the 27th pick. Could you see them taking a flyer on, on Quentin Grimes? Yeah. If if for one very simple reason, first, James Harden recommending it. Yeah, that's yep. exactly what we said about them generally. Yep. That connection. I think that could. I mean, we got high second round picks. We got the Bucks, The first pick in the second round from the Rockets. Mm-hmm. He goes there, he's not going to play a lot. You know, because the rookie and they're they're still in their championship window. The Knicks, you know, Coach Tibbs does. He's before this year, he really didn't play a lot of rookies. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't really believe in that. So Orlando, Orlando stinks. Okay, <laughs> they they stink. Oklahoma City at thirty four. Tell me how you really feel. So Oklahoma City is young, so he could develop as as they develop. The rest, the rest of the young team, he's gonna lose a lot. Um, New Orleans, they're in state of flux. They need a head coach. Right there, mm-hmm. let me get right there. Did y'all see slash hear what Stan Van Gundy said? And he was guest on a podcast uh, with Levitard, and one of the comments was he and Griffin just did not have the same philosophy in terms of coaching in their exit interview. They just did not see eye to eye, you know, in basically the direction of the franchise. Okay, if you're Griffin last year, what did I discuss before you hired Stan? That's Why'd you hire exactly Stan <laughs> to begin with? Y'all can't be on the same page then. Why'd you hire him? Right. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, that, I mean, but again, stay with Griffin. Stay with Griffin. Well, an example of why teams, some teams just, don't win. <laughs> you know I mean, you know, there's a reason why 
some teams lose repeatedly. Just like there's a reason some teams win repeatedly. It's organization. Mm -hmm. This it starts with the top. Andy, uh, plug real quick uh, how folks can catch Paul Samajama. Yeah, they can see Paul Samajama wherever they listen to the podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the main ones. Uh, just search up Paul Samajama. It's P A W D S L A M A. J-A-M-A, -A, you know, like the five Simon Jamma teams, but instead of five, it's pod, the Cougar pod. But, um, yeah, we just had a new episode release on Thursday. We talked about uh, Justin Barbosa with my co-host. We talked about, we, it was a Quentin Grimes heavy show. We talked about his draft combine, the numbers, the impressions he made. And then we also looked at a couple of the mock drafts of where teams had them or where the other experts had them ranked. And then we also gave UH updates on the schedules for both the men's and women's teams and Chris Gardner, you gave us a lot of content right before the morning with Ron Kiwi's interview. I mean, he gave you a lot of good stuff, not only schedule updates, but I didn't know that Erica Sidney was coming back for next season. I didn't either, and I mentioned that in the interview. And, you know, thank you for, the, for that plug. Uh, finally got to, get to, got to sit down with Coach Shuey to talk U of H women's basketball. And, and if you haven't caught the, the interview, you can go to Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, on my website, because it's posted there as well. And the podcast audio of it is also on the podcast platforms. But he talked about Erica Sidney coming back, the team actually considering actually having meetings about not playing um, the COVID season twice. They thought, thought about not uh, playing the start of the season. And then, then when it got hit with COVID to not continue the season. So that was discussed. So that kind of opened my eyes. And But he also touched on it toward the end of the conversation and we want to talk about this now is name, image, and likeness. July, today is July 2nd, July 1st, the NCAA changed forever. We got student assets now able to get money and get paid off of their name, image, and likeness. Thoughts, Will, is the NCAA dead? Did the sky fall on you in Ohio? Did everything uh, fire rain down from you from on high yesterday? Um, no, NCAA dead. No, it's on life support. It's just struggling right now because, you know, and, and you said it so as only you could on uh, the lunch break yesterday. Um, you know, for years, the narrative has been um, it's going to ruin college sports. Mark Emmert has said this president of the NCAA for years, it's going to ruin college sports. College sports, as we know, it will never be the same. Um, and, and he's right to an extent it won't. Um, I don't know that that's, it's changing uh, negatively or it's a detriment. I, I don't believe that. Um, <clears throat> no, um, Ohio State. It, it, schools and states are handling this with, so differently. It's, it's amazing that, um, you know, the state north of me, um, the flagship school of that, that state, um, is having great a great deal of red tape to go through their student athletes. They have to submit deals. It has to be vetted for seven to 10 days. Then it has to go through compliance. Whereas Ohio state um, tackled it head on. Um, athletic director, Gene Smith met with the top 20 sponsors of Ohio state athletics ahead of this to say, Hey, how can we partner 
to make sure our student athletes benefit from name image and likeness. Uh, there was a uh, the state senator uh, that submitted legislation uh, in the Ohio Senate to uh, make this law. Ohio State football coach Ryan Day testified in on behalf of the bill. The flagship university in the state of Ohio, their football coach testified for his student athletes to be able to market themselves and to benefit financially from their name, their image, and their likeness. Other state schools in other states, their coach has pretty much said, I'll quit if student athletes are being paid. So the, the dynamic is so uh, all over the board. It's, it's amazing. But here in Ohio, no, we're, it's all good. It's all good. Student athletes, uh, Ohio State football players uh, have uh, announced deals. Uh, the first one was uh, offensive tackle Nicholas Petit Faree, uh, offensive right tackle starter, uh, signed a deal uh, for his name, image, and likeness to be used for a digital uh, resume service in Tampa, Florida. He's he's a native of Tampa, Florida, and uh, his name, image, and likeness is being used to market and promote that company lo uh, that's local to him in Tampa, but um, across the world, essentially with social media and those th those type things. So. Here in Ohio, it's 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 all good. And that that's an issue that you know some states are more, more proactive than others in this NIL landscape. U of H, University of Houston announced on Monday their program, the name of it is Liftoff, that they're, they're tying in with the uh, business college, Bauer College of Business. I'm a that's where I focus on was that's where my major at U of H was business. Um, I haven't heard, I think Andy touched on it a little bit, too much deals announced from U of H student assets yet. Andy said he thinks one football player has yes. announced a deal so far. I know uh, Rice has done so as well with an endorsement via Open Doors with uh, GoPuff Candies. And, you know, the reins in money, you know, some players are announcing the financial publicly announcing the deals. You know, De'Ara King, quarterback at Miami, yeah. he mentioned that uh, one of his, his deals is $20,000. Uh, you know, many other athletes aren't disclosing that publicly. Mm -hmm. I think they have, to, they have to tell the school the amount, but I mean, it's not really our business to know the amount. As long as they know it, the school knows it, and then the third party, whatever, the sponsor obviously knows it. As long as they're good with it, I'm good with it. Because Can I say at something some point, to that, to that? go ahead, sure, Will, go ahead. To, to that point, um, financially, you know, it's pretty much assumed that with name, image, and likeness, we're talking basketball, football, revenue sports, sports that have the most uh, exposure, uh, most recognizable athletes, if you will. There's a report of a gymnast at LSU that has a seven-figure deal. Olivia Dunn. And her sir olivia dunn's her name uh, olivia dunn thank you name image and likeness a gymnast mm -hmm. seven figures so it's not just about the, the revenue generating sports the basketballs the footballs things of that nature and and it's not just male athletes you know basketball players as well because i think the cabinet twins in fresno state got right. a deal um so it's good to see and i can't remember 
the school, but there was like a, a non-starter on a football team got an endorsement deal. So that's, that's great. You know, it could have been a, a small school, whatever. I'm, I'm not hating on anybody capitalizing off their name, image, and likeness. If someone is willing to give you some money because of who you are and what you do, go for it. Because real talk, we're trying to do that here. We're trying to get somebody to believe in us and what we do and sponsor our work going forward. So I'm putting it out there. You know, we can we can all have a meeting and discuss the name of it, you know, three folks talking sports. And it may be more folks talking sports. It may just be just be talking sports. I did reach out to any females who are watching right now. I have reached out to two colleagues, female colleagues. They were unable to, to make it this evening, but uh, they will be on future shows. One of them may be on the very next show we have. So hold me to that. AJ Jones called me out on that on the lunch break, and that's fine. Hold me accountable. But I am going to keep my word, and I will have some women on this show. So trust me on that. But yeah, this is all about, I want everybody to eat. I want Angie to get some of this. I want Will to get some of this. I want to get some of this. Hey, I'm a true capitalist. <laughs> you know, so I got no issue with that whatsoever. You know, <laughs> but, and some of the, the student athletes who have huge followings on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, this is for them. This is for them. Yeah. The NIL, they need, they need to capitalize on this, but they also need to be smart about their money. Don't blow it on stupid stuff, okay? Be wise with it. Pay off any debt you have. Take care of those things. Invest some of it. Don't make the mistakes I made when I was in college, okay? I made some of those so some dumb mistakes. I'm still having to deal with some of that stuff, okay? So don't don't do that. Be smart with your money. Be, surround yourself with folks who know what to do with money in a positive light. Don't waste it. Don't spend it on. You know, don't be one. Don't get to a point if you if you are blessed to get a seven figure deal. Don't be an athlete. You've seen the pros who got eight cars. You know, you got one behind. You can only drive one car. You only need eight cars. So, you know, things like that, just, you know, silly stuff like that. So that's just real, Andy. You, hey, yeah, you're learning <laughs> how I feel about this stuff. I was going to ask you, uh, and this is, this might be the journalist side of me, but uh, what, what were you spending your money on when you were in college? Uh, in, a, in a nice way to put it, more than me. Mm. So it, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was more than me. Let me let me just say this: hmm. um, I I was called the ladies' man for a reason. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's talk NBA playoffs. Let's give love to the Phoenix Suns and and reaching the NBA finals. Chris Paul went to work. Chris Paul showed everybody who Chris Paul is, good and bad. In closing out the Clippers. That's what are your thoughts first? You Andy, what are your thoughts on the Suns getting to the finals and Chris Paul's performance? First of all, it's a good thing we don't have a guarantee button because the Clippers rained on left parade with winning game five. But, yeah, honestly, what the performance that well, – I'm not going to say I expected a 41-point performance from Chris Paul, but the way the, the Suns closed out that game six is kind of what I expected them to do in game five. And, I mean, 
nothing really surprised me. It's something I expected them to do to be able to close out the Clippers, the shorthanded Clippers. And I know at the lunch break, Chris, you, there was a caller that called in talking about Patrick Beverly regarding um, could he face a possible suspension entry next season. You know, it was an interesting conversation where you talked about with Chris Paul and Marcus Cousins. Patrick Beverly, I mean, they have a, a bit of a reputation for, I wouldn't say, Chris, you could probably describe this better. Do they have a reputation for being dirty or just occasionally coming, coming around? They, they walk a fine line. They straddle that line. So it depends on the team you cover and the team you root for could lean your ants one way or the other. Because some folks think they're dirty. Some folks think Chris Paul is dirty. You yeah. know, and some folks believe Pat Beverly is dirty. Depends on your perspective. What What do you say? What do you think about you know both? I mean, they both have their moments. I remember, and it was this one with Chris Paul, and when he was with the Rockets, I think it was like one of the home, the season openers when they played the Lakers, and him and Rondo got into it, and you had that's when you had I think Chris Paul poked him in the face and towards the eye, and then that's when the whole debacle happened. And then I mean, Patrick Beverly, that's that's been his identity at least to be a, a pest, obviously. The, the one that stands out from his time in Houston was probably when they played OKC in the playoffs and ended up injuring Russell Westbrook. I think it was like 2013 or one of those years. That's, um, that's about right, yeah. So they have the reputation, but you know, going back to Phoenix in, as a whole, I feel like, honestly, they should probably be favored to win the NBA championship. Not only are they going to have at least if Milwaukee wins on Saturday, when do the finals start i'd say tuesday i i think so let me see if i can pull it up i'll i'll look for it will you share your thoughts on it while i try to look up it would start with the, when the finals would start sure um yeah i mean kudos to i mean as far as chris paul um well let me start with patrick beverly I, i'll subscribe to the the russell westbrook school of thought uh pat bev out here tricking people i mean and he got exposed on thursday night um, he, he's the type of person that on your team, you love him, but as an opponent, you can't stand him. And that's what you want. I mean, you don't want, you know, some people don't like the love fest of, you know, the banana boat crew, Chris Paul, Melo, mm -hmm. D Wade, LeBron, they love each other. It's all good. They want that, uh, Knicks Bulls, that old school bad boy, Detroit Piston basketball oh, there you go chris i got you um, yeah i perked up when you said all that yes sir i yep. see i see um they like that but uh, pat bev is a throwback somebody I, i'm trying to think who i saw say this and they said patrick beverly is the dennis rodman of today's basketball and somebody's like oh no there's no way and but i understand the context in which they said that dennis rodman will i mean you think of a i think of a moment where on the free throw line he stood there and just Stared at Frank Burkowski, didn't touch him, didn't say anything, just stared at him. And Frank Burkowski finally just got fed up and swung on him and got ejected. Um, you know, poking Carl Malone, poking who is it's that irritant. And that's what Patrick Beverly does. He's good at what he does. He he's scrappy, you know. So he he had to do what he had to do to remain in the league. You know, he he's not he's got his multi year deal now. But before that, Pat Bell was a, a minimum, league minimum, veteran minimum guy. 
you know, that stayed on the end of the bench and worked his way up. And I think the last deal he got with the Clippers was three years, $40 million, if I remember right. So, but that mentality didn't change. He got paid, but his mentality didn't change. Now, all that being said, the seven in the back was crazy. I don't care what Chris Paul said to him. I don't believe that he said anything to him. I think he just looked at him and he, Pat Bev, he knew. Chris Paul had been giving it to him. And I think at that moment, he knew. It's a wrap. And the frustration just took over. But you can't do that. You, you can't do that. Agreed. And to, to Pat Bev's credit, he tweeted out, you know, an apology to, to Chris Paul. I got an issue with that. I'm, I, I was glad to see it. But I, I don't need to see it. You right. Can, just call Chris Paul. Leave a message. We don't need to know that. You put it out there for the public to see. So what? You tell me that you and Chris Paul talked about it and squashed it. I'm good. I, you know, I don't need to see players, you know, going back and forth on Twitter. You want to direct message each other? Okay, but I don't, I don't need to see all that. I don't want to see that. It was good that he did it, I guess. But so what? You know, you got Chris Paul's number. If you don't, call Monty Williams. Deliver, send a message to Monty. You know, apologize. Tell Monty I'm sorry. Hey, Monty, Coach Williams, tell CP I tried to call him. I couldn't reach him, whatever. Let him know that I'm apologizing for what I did for my actions. Fine. That's not public. That's what we are in the 21st century. I, whatever. There's, there's some things that we just, I think, is just a bit extra on social media. You know, Chauncey, Chauncey Billups got his number. He can get his number from Chauncey Billups, I'm sure. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure James has his number. I'm sure LeBron got his number. I'm, you know, agents, all these different things, you know. But as of right now, I don't see a, a start date for. The NBA Finals yet. So, if the Bucks close, let me just let's get right to it now. If the Bucks will the Bucks close it out in six? Giannis is doubtful. Yahoo's Chris Haynes says there's a chance Giannis could play Game Seven on Monday if the Hawks win Game Six. Um, will the Bucks close it out Saturday in Atlanta? You know, you you want to go to. An expert answer, but I mean, I don't think you can right now. I mean, that, that's been the Bucks that you, when James, when Kyrie Irving got injured and the Nets, I don't, did James Harden come back in game five or one of those games, regardless? But it was game a, five, a yeah. Harden, no Kyrie Irving, and everything was on Kevin Durant. You'd expect the Bucks to take control of that series right then and there and be able to close it out in six. And instead, you no, know, they couldn't win game five and had to win too straight to just to get past the hobbled Nets team and then going back to this series in game four you'd expect them to come out firing and put the Hawks away without Trey Young and they didn't do that instead they got run out of the building and then Giannis got injured and made it that well that made that game even worse and then they turn around in game five and play like they show their flash the potential of this could be a championship team there's the, the good books and the bad books, and you have no idea which books team will show up. Um, I say if Trey Young plays, I'll go with the Hawks to win game six and, you know, winner take all game seven. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Are we going to do like a series prediction later on, or do I just go ahead and say it right now? Um, hold, just hold that thought. But what you said is, is, cool. is accurate. You know, Will, you, you chime in. Yeah, I think I'm going I'm to go ahead and, and say Bucks close it out. And knowing, saying that, knowing that um, we'll be here talking about game seven the next time we talk. But nonetheless, um, 
I, I look at these numbers and I thought about it last night and I'm looking at the numbers again. Why can't they have these numbers with Giannis? Brooke Lopez, 33. Chris Middleton, 26. Chris Middleton pretty much can get 26 and 13 with Giannis. Drew Holiday, 25 and 13 assists. Bobby Portis, starting in place of Giannis, got 22. Why does it take Giannis? And, and, and that's the term I don't, I don't like at all. I got to step up now that Giannis isn't here. Well, if you have to step up, what have you been doing the, the rest of the time? To you've me, been short, you've been shortchanging your teammates and the fans. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, oh, we got, you know, Giannis is out. Okay, let me step up. No, you should have been giving this this effort the entire time. Brooke Lopez, 33? Where's this been? I don't think he's had 33 the previous four uh, four games b- before that. And to have 33 in game five? And it's it, you are correct, and it's part of basketball, pro, pro sports. I mean, just really a step-up mindset. You know, superstars are superstars for a reason, but the ball is in their hands so much they do take away from their teammates sometimes. Brooke Lopez, and when I when I heard Marv Albert say this during the Brooklyn series, that Brooke Lopez was the leading scorer in Nets franchise history, mm-hmm. I thought it was another example of Marv showing his age and just being seen now. Mm-hmm. Well, Brooke Lopez has 10,000 plus points with the Nets. So he is, in fact, the leading scorer in, in Nets franchise history. So he, he can do this. He does have offensive skills. The Nets choose to not utilize him. When Brooke Lopez gets the ball down low, he has enough skills that he can score down low. He has, he has a, a nice all-around game that he can score inside and outside. When, if Gian, whenever Giannis is healthy. When Giannis goes to the bench, it's time for Brooke Lopez to get on the block, get in the paint, and go to work. That you know, you should be able to have an offense varied enough to be able to attack your opponent in multiple ways. The Hawks had no answer for Brooke Lopez last night. None. So, and watch game six. Brooke Lopez may never touch the ball. He may not even touch the ball in game six. Because all three of us see it. We don't know which Bucks team is going to show up. They have, they are the better team. It's up to them to play like it. I was glad to see Drew Holiday play well after that. I mean, well, the whole team just was a disaster in game four when, you know, they just took the Hawks for granted. They wasted a, a great game three performance with an awful game four performance that just disrespected the game. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. no Trey Young. So what? We, we they're not going to play well. They expected the Hawks to just roll over. Yeah. Come on, man. It's the pros. But we'll see what they do in game six. You know, the reason I picked the Bucks to win game five was because it was at home. Game six is in Atlanta. The Hawks, I think, have a better road record these playoff and do home record. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bucks should win if they play their B game 
especially if Trey Young doesn't play, they should win game six. I'm going to just be skip, keep it simple. I'm going to pick the Hawks because it's in Atlanta. I may be wrong on that, you know, but this is who the Bucks are. We don't know which team is going to show up from game to game. They're not consistent. We don't, sometimes they go through the motions to extremes, quarter to quarter. You know, I mean, that that is just I'm glad I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Bucks fan because I, I'll be driving me nuts to, mm-hmm. to watch this team and to cheer for this team. So, OK, Will, you said Bucks and close out tomorrow. I did. Andy, you said you're basically asking me to pick the lotto numbers, Chris. It, it depends on the Bucks. You know, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll I'll say the Hawks got it um, for two reasons. One, I'll take the they'll play well at home. But I, I I'm gonna pretend I'd say that Trey Young, if Trey Young plays, that'll give him the emotional lift. And even if he doesn't, I think the whole home crowd will help him over the top. Okay, so two to one Hawks. Will you got the Bucks? So uh, we'll next time we, we do a show will be around the NBA finals because if there's a game seven between the Bucks and the Hawks, that'll be Monday. So we will not going to have a show that soon. Um, but yeah, so we'll see who's right. You know, there's, there's nothing earth shattered one way or the other on this. Will. Yes, sir. Who is the best college football team in the country? Oh, um, it's the Ohio State University. Not Alabama? Not Alabama. Are you being biased or objective? Yes. (laughs) 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 Okay. No, 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 seriousness. Um, Alabama, I mean, Mac Jones, Deontay, uh, uh, Devontae Smith, um, Jalen Waddle. Um, they lost a lot. Now, granted, they did. Re- one of the receivers that they have is Ohio State transfer, Jamison Williams. But there's a reason he left Ohio State. I mean, no, no disciplinary issue at all. He just he saw the writing on the wall. That wide receiver room is packed, and he knew it. It really brought him to the decision to leave was when Chris Olave returned for his senior season because everyone assumed Chris Olave was out. You know, he got a first round grade from the advisory board. Now, there's no reason for him to come back, but he came back. His quarterback is leaving. You know what? Most receivers don't want to stay a senior year to, to break in a new quarterback. And with the first round grade, but he came back for his reasons. And Jamison Williams, like, I got to go. Because Jillian Fleming's still here, Jackson Smith Naba is still here, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. is coming. Um, he had to go. So, you know, Alabama has to replace a lot. Yeah, you know, it's a machine. Those 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 schools, you know, have you know five stars on the third string depth chart. We understand that, but it's going to take some time. And Ohio State has they're replacing the quarterback. As I said, so I just think, but top to bottom, coaching, the players, the system, I think Ohio State right now is 
the best team in college football. Let, let me ask you, you know, we're getting into college football, so less and less my area of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on the, you too, Andy, thoughts on the projected football championship expansion to 12 teams and the idea of the six highest rated uh, teams being in it and then six at large. What are your thoughts? Is that a good thing? Um, Define Andy? good. Yeah. I would say defined good. Do you mean from a revenue standpoint, it's great. You're going to have a lot more TV ratings, a lot more buzz. Um, is it good quote, for the non-Power 5 teams? Oh, yeah, for sure. They finally get their, their opportunity to compete for for national championship now. How far they can go after they have to play the first first game or once they eventually have to run to the powerhouses like the Alabamas of the world, the Clemsons of the world, the Ohio States of the world. We'll see. Yeah. It might. I think it's good overall just because it'll finally get to five in the room and you won't have, you know, the UCS claiming national championship or, or anything like that anymore. So I see it as a good thing. Will, is it a good thing for college football overall? Yes. And, it, you know, more teams, more teams are in the pool to win the national championship. I won't say more teams have a chance. I will say more teams are in the pool to win the national championship. So it, it's good from that aspect. Recruiting, you can say, hey, we were in the college football playoff last year. To the four teams, it's now 12. So from a recruiting aspect, that's a positive. Um, you know, will that resolve the issue no because now instead of five and six complaining they didn't get in now it'll be 13 and 14 complaining they didn't get in so you know it's still in a man the conversation piece you know i should have got in i was number 13 you know i beat number 11 and i'm number 13 i should have gotten to the playoff so it doesn't resolve that issue but overall and now with the name image and likeness piece you know the exposure that if a kid has a a deal with um, a company and, you know, the more exposure that kid has on the national stage and the college football playoff that potentially could generate more income for that student athlete. So number of reasons. Yeah. I would say it's, it's, it's good. I like it because one of my biggest beefs with the 14 uh, college football playoff cartel was you got five power five conferences you only got four spots so right this the initial creation of it somebody's gonna be left out so right there best basic math then next you got the subjectivity of we want the four best teams okay well the, the bias toward the SEC is so strong. You you had one team make it that didn't even win its division in its conference, LSU, more than once make the playoff. What is the point of having a conference if you're not even going to reward your teams for winning the conference? So that was my issue with all that. And just the – I was surprised, and I guess because it happened so much, I shouldn't have been surprised, 
are the people who are okay with that. Well, you know, we didn't say it was going to be the conference champions. We just said it's going to be the four best teams. Okay, then why the hell you have conferences in? Then just put everybody in, in line. Just, you know, why, why do we have divisions? Why do we have conferences? Why is there an SEC? Why is there an ACC? Why is, you know, what's the point of all that if you're not going to reward the team for winning its conference? So do you think with this 12, and it still has to be voted on and approved, I'm leaning toward it won't happen until the end of the TV contracts. I don't believe it's going to happen in two years unless ESPN says, okay, we're good with this and we're going to pony up more money in two years because they still have, what, four Four more years left on this current contract? Four or five left on this current contract? I believe so. So I wouldn't be surprised if the school presidents say, hold up, let's wait for this contract to expire or get to the last year of the deal and open it up and hit the market. Let's see if we get more money from Fox, more money from NBC or Comcast or you know, the other networks, corporations, and get serious, serious money. Hmm. I think presidents are, are greedy like the rest of us. So... It wouldn't surprise me if they decided to to wait and not agree to it, you know, because some folks believe it's going to happen soon. I'm not sure that's the case. Thoughts on that? Presidents are greedy. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, yeah, you're right. I could totally see, especially when it comes to those schools that have been in the playoff year in and year out. I mean, they don't necessarily have incentive to get a new deal done anytime soon. I mean, it'll probably be beneficial for them. You know, when you're talking about Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all those schools that are always in the conversation, at least. I mean, they don't have to worry about an expanded playoffs most years, so what's the rush? But then you look at over the group of five schools, the American has a micro resto, certainly not going to like that. He's going to try to keep pushing and stuff. So it's interesting, uh, you know, when you mentioned that the four player format, obviously it's one power five school that gets left out automatically. The group of five schools are gonna have to get support from at least one of the power five schools, probably more, just to to make things interesting and kind of push it along more, in my opinion. Another thing that you guys mentioned then once it's a twelve team playoff, that you're gonna be why didn't thirteen and fourteen get in? I think the college football committee has to be more transparent. What 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 do they look for? I mean, it seems like it's just subjective. I mean, they should they should have at least uh, they should have at least some guidelines that provide. They, they should have guidelines, food. criteria, but we'll go ahead because I got I got to add this. Then we're gonna close out. Add your thoughts on what Andy's just said. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's transparency means accountability, and you just said power. College presidents, college ADs, they don't want accountability. They're used to running the show. They're used to, you know, okay, I may have to give an appearance. I have to answer to my uh, base, my board of trustees, my uh, fan base, you know, the alumni, the, the board, you know, they may give that appearance, but they don't, at the end of the day, they don't want to have to explain why I did that because in, in most instances, they can't. Oh, and really? and he, he just, I mean, he had a good thought too. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I hope he comes back real quick because I'm trying to hold off because I want him to hear my answer on this as well. But yeah, but when it comes to like, the, I mean, come, there's got to be at least some basic, even if it's 
brought some kind of guideline because I know this past season you had Cincinnati at the time when they were undefeated. They beat Houston and they, they throttled Houston on a national TV game. It was on ABC. I think they were ranked sixth before that game. And then the game passes and they, they end up going back a spot. Like, it makes no sense. They're getting penalized for who they have to play. And it was a dominant win, too. So Let, let me say this because I, I think it's analogous to basketball. I know the committee, the basketball committees, men's and women's, they have criteria, okay? They have criteria that they say that they base their selections on for the at-large teams for the tournament. I'm sure that I assume this, they have criteria for the football playoff as well, but it's not etched in stone. Each committee member can focus, can uh, emphasize certain criteria more than another committee member. So one year you may base it on strength of schedule. Another year you may base it on who'd you play, who'd you beat, the, the, the margin of victory, all, all these different things. So accountability, okay, you know, it's, we could demand it. And your point is right about, okay, well, since that he did this, then, you know, the eye test. Some folks prefer the eye test. So, you know, all these different things. I've, I've been in NCAA headquarters. I've been a part of those, those exercises. I've seen that. We get, okay, like 15 points of criteria. Each committee member said, well, I mean, I like five of these, 15 more than others. Somebody else said, well, I like the other five. And then someone else, well, I like these five. There's, there's no consistency of what is important for, it's all subjective. So that is the issue. I, you know, I'm sure it's in the same in football. I'm sure it's the same in any NCAA selection sport involved. That it's, well, you know, I prefer this. I prefer that. Well, they played them here. And then they, well, they, but they played them here. You know, well, so-and-so was hurt here. He didn't play here. She didn't play there. You know, and we'll... I'm going to close it out, get everybody to, you know, tell everybody where, how they can find each of you. Coach Shuey mentions it during his interview when he said that the committee, when well, he heard that the reason why they were kept out, they, why U of H was among the first four out, he gave, I think, three different scenarios as to why they were kept out of the tournament. One was they lost to Cincinnati. It was a bad loss. It was a bad home loss, no question. But then it was, well, if you would have beat this team, if you'd have got to the conference tournament championship game, it would have helped you this. Well, if you'd have done this, if you would have had beat this team by more points, if you would have done, why were you behind Stephen F. Austin? Well, and this other example, I'm not bashing Stephen F. Austin, okay? Southland Conference is not a great conference in women's basketball, okay? It's, it's really a one-bit league, typically year in, year out. SFA had no no great non-conference wins. U of H beat SFA. SFA's net ranking was 20 or so almost the entire season. 20. U of H was around 50, 48, 48 to 55, the most of the year. And I was told, well, SFA net ranking is so good is because their defensive numbers are so great. Mm -hmm. Didn't have squads to do who they play. Non-conference. 
Okay, well, what's the point of that? They shut down teams defensively. Well, maybe their conference wasn't that great. Maybe their conference isn't good enough to score on, on SFA. So, you know, things like that. Now, next year, maybe a whole different other point of emphasis for the committee. You know, things like that. That's You got criteria? Stick with the criteria. Say, hey, this is what we're emphasizing. This is, this is why we're going to pick these teams based on this year in, year out. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Even, even with AP voters, I'm sorry, Will, I didn't mean to cut you off, but even with no, no. AP voters, I mean, when U of H beat USF, uh, the women's basketball team beat USF, I mean, I, I believe that next day people, they didn't even get a single vote. So, I mean, like, I mean, we're kind of going in a circle where we, we there should be some accountability there. There should be something there shouldn't be so much subjectivity in the guidelines. They should stick to a more rigid one and, and have specific examples. I think when you mentioned Ron Huey said, I think he also mentioned if one team had played in their conference tournament and hadn't decided to to not play, they would have been in because they wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have been a stolen bid from that conference. Right. Yeah, go ahead, Will, and then to piggyback on what Amy just said, I'll, I'll add to that. Go ahead, Will. Sure. Yeah, and it's it's what you said. Uh, the criteria and accountability are window dressing, because at the end of the day, the members of the committee are in that room and they're going to pick what they want to pick. They're going to do what they want to do. So, in the criteria for is for us to say, well, they said they use this, 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 and this, and this guideline and this criteria. They didn't. In more inst- more most instances, they didn't. Because if they did, you would have three explanations as to why a team didn't get in over one uh, over another. So, you know, unless you have complete transparency where, and, and, and you won't have that. You have, you have cameras in the room and you have the, the camera in the room where they're sitting there at 627, three minutes before the, the bids are announced. And, you know, that's, again, fodder. It's window, it's window dressing. But they don't want that. They don't want that. Yeah, the they only thing I'm certain of that the committee is true to is when it comes to a committee member uh, school that they that they work for, and discussions centered on that school, that committee member leaves the room, sure. so as to not influence that. That's that's one thing I'm certain of. I know that, but everything else is just subjective. And Andy, the point you made about Missouri State, because of COVID, and hopefully this is just a one-time deal. Because of their opponent that they had in the conference tournament, had a positive test. Missouri State opted to not play the rest of the Missouri Valley tournament, women's basketball. So the team that won the conference tournament took U of H's at large bid because mm-hmm. the Valley was only going to be a one bid league, and that was going to be Mississippi, Missouri State. Missouri State ran through the conference, you know, throughout the season, all those things. But because of COVID and the concerns with COVID, they knew that they were going to be in the tournament, period. They knew that already. Everybody knew that. But they were like, I'm not going to risk my players' health because of COVID concerns. Well, that, that opened up another spot for the conference because, you know, the automatic berth goes to the conference champion. Well, it wasn't going to be Missouri State. So that means the Valley becomes a two-bid league. Because of that, that team, I think it was Bradley, took U of H's spot. So, you know, that's, it's just one of those weird things that happens um will how can folks find you on social media appreciate you chris uh social media will gibson seven twitter and instagram facebook is 
Will Knows, the Will Knows podcast is forthcoming, and we look forward to hearing from you. Andy, how can folks find you on the internet? On Twitter, they can follow me at Ayana's underscore five with the capital A, capital Y. And on Instagram, it's just Ayana's five, no underscore. Guys, if you don't mind, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Do you have, I'm going to try to get the uh, Olympic team players on the men's side. We can, we can discuss the women's team too, if I'm able to pull it up here. Um, any issues with the men's team selections? Let's see here. Uh, let's see. We got. Um, all right. We got uh, Bam Adebayo, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Kevin Love, Chris Middleton, and Jason Tatum. For me, I don't, I don't have an issue with any of that. Jeremy Grant was a surprise. That was an interesting name when I saw that. He's a piston, Will. Come on, man. He's a piston. That's why he's it. on the squad. I know it. I know it. I know it. But, um, Outside of that, no, no. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys opted out. James Harden opted out. LeBron opted out. Um, AD opted out. You know, he, he, AD's not on the way. But, um, it, it, you know, those guys opted out. So, no, I mean, that 12, I don't have an issue. Um, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good with that. Andy? Yeah, uh, I don't have an issue, but I'll be interested to see if I'm sure there'll be more. They'll have to figure out different opponents. I'm not sure Devin Booker stays with them playing in the finals, and then Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday of the Bucks advance. That might be three uh, potential openings for you players to step in. Uh, yeah, I, I, was I did see that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was surprised that those three, I was surprised that the guys who won teams still in the playoffs accepted the invite to Tyler to play for the team, you know, like Booker, uh, Chris Middleton, Andrew. Heck, initially I was surprised that James Harden said yes, reportedly. And I was like, James, man, your hamstring is not good, man. So why are you doing this? And then the next day he's like, no. And then that's when Jeremy Grant was put on the team. Now the 17 players selected named to the men's select team to practice against and compete against the U.S. team. Sadiq Bay, Pistons. Uh. Miles Bridges, Hornets. Anthony Edwards, Timberwolves. Darius Garland, the Cavs. Tyrese Halliburton, the Kings. Tyler Hero, Heat. John Jenkins, uh, Vanderbilt College, Vanderbilt University, but overseas experience playing in Italy at Bilbao Basket. Kelvin Johnson with the Spurs. Josh McGetty, another uh, international experience with Turkey. Played, with, uh, played at Kentucky. Played at Alabama, Huntsville, excuse me. Dakota Mathias, Sixers and Purdue. Emmanuel Quickly, the Knicks. Nas Reed, Timberwolves, Cam Reynolds. Last pro team was Rockets. Played uh, college ball at Tulane. Isaiah Stewart, Pistons. Obi Toppin, Knicks. P.J. Washington, Hornets. And Patrick Williams, Bulls. So those would be that's the 17 guys 
who will help uh, work out the the main men national team and fill in for the absence of Booker, Middleton, and Holiday as they are still playing in the, in the finals. Two Pistons, two Knicks. Uh, Cam Reynolds is representing the Rockets. I was kind of surprised that they didn't have a, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., um, Christian Wood, but but I really think Christian Wood needs to get healthy. So I can understand that too. Any thoughts on that? And that team's going to be coached by Eric Spolster. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good uh, group. Those those guys are now in the pool uh, for future international competitions uh, for USA Basketball. So, um, I mean, Quigley, Darius Garland, of course, you know, for 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 me, you know, Cleveland's that that gives him a great deal of experience. He got hurt uh, towards the end of the season, uh, was coming on strong, and I, honestly, to be truthfully told, to go back to the Cavs a little bit, gave. Kobe Allman pause and open his eyes to maybe moving on from a, a Colin Sexton with the way Darius Garland played without him uh, before he got hurt. So, um, but great opportunity for him to get uh, more experience. Uh, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, uh, Washington uh, for Charlotte, that core group, along with uh, um, LaMelo Ball, you know, that, that can only benefit them uh, in the upcoming season. So I think it's a, a good group. Andy, yeah, Christian, I'm hearing there. There are a lot of Pistons. You got Kate Cunningham to the mix. Pistons should be. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing the Pistons. Should be oh no! The, 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 <laughs> as Coach Casey said toward the end of the season, y'all get 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 the uh, li- the losses in right now because the team's gonna be good in the future. So the team, the future is bright. So uh, I'm looking forward to the future, and hey. I've been a Pistons fan longer than you've been alive, so since '86. So I've been through some ups and downs. So right, right now it's going, it's going up after a lot of downs. So, fellas, <clears throat> what, what, what's your availability for our next show? When and where? Uh, I can do next Friday. Next Friday, okay. Uh, let's see, because I mean. I guess there's a chance the finals could start Wednesday. And then if they do that, they'd be Wednesday, Friday. So let's just, we'll see if it starts Tuesday, then it won't be Friday. So for sure. But let's see, let's see if we can, you know, uh, schedule around the finals because I really don't want to miss the finals, even though we will probably be done with a stream before the game start. Cause I think the games will start around eight o'clock uh, central time. So be late starts for you, Will, you know, yeah. Uh, for the finals, but we'll play it by ear. But thank you as always for joining us. And hey, we got the NBA draft July 29th. So that's less than four weeks away. We can talk about that. Las Vegas Summer League will be in August. Uh, we may you know, slide in some the Olympics. Got to talk about that. Uh, men and women's. Oh, real quick. Mm. Uh, pr- pronounce your name, Shakari Sh- Sh- Richardson. Is yep. that it? Yeah, that's it. She she smoked some weed, flunked the test, suspended thirty days. Y'all agree with that or not? Uh, by the letter of the law, yeah. I mean, it's the rule. It's the rule. I, unfortunate circumstance. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to bash her or you know condemn her. She made a mistake, and. 
you know, the, the consequences are what they are. So, um, now I, I, I said this to AJ earlier today. I'm not, I'm still not convinced that she won't run in the women's hundred because the 30 day suspension allows her to run in the four by one relay, which she still should be eligible for. I'm still not convinced that for whatever reason, the public backlash and the outcry on her behalf that uh, USATF, United States Track and Field Association is getting, I, I'm not convinced that the tide won't turn. And even though her trial times were eliminated and qualified, the, the condition or the qualifying time for the women's 100 in the Olympics is 11.15. I mean, she clearly run that uh, before she qualifies, for, you know, from that aspect. I, I just, I'm convinced, you know, until I'm proven otherwise, uh, that they'll find a way to get her back in that, in that hundred. Cause they're not in the business of eliminating their, uh, the, the, the biggest star in women's track and field right now. So I'm sure somehow for whatever reason, I could be totally wrong, but I'm somehow thinking, uh, this will change and she'll be able to run. Andy. I mean, Will said it's good. I mean, it's bad for her that uh, she had to, she got caught with a rule. I mean, it's a rule of the letter of the law that in a few years, it probably won't even be there. But I mean, there's not much you can say. You know, and, and see, all three of us on, are on the same page. Yeah, it's just weed. I know that. And, and the perception of weed has changed drastically in the last 10 years. No question, but for right now, it's still a rule. Okay, until that rule law is changed, she flunked the test. It's it's a banned substance. Should it be on the list? No, but right now it is. So the consequences are she's got to you know take a 30, 30 day suspension, and will you might be right. You know <laughs> she is. She is the face of women's U.S. track, so who knows? You know, they may find some some way. They may backtrack and spin it away to save some face, and she is on the team. We shall see about that. But I, I brought that up just to show the viewers that folks talking sports, three dudes talking sports, sports, track field is a sport. Football is a sport. It's not just going to be basketball talk here on, on these shows. So, yes, I am Chris Garden, Houston Round Bar View basketball. But as I've said many times uh, on shows I've been blessed to appear on for 20 plus years, I know sports. Okay. I can talk about a lot more things just basketball. So, we're going to do that here on these, these shows, on this platform. So, we're going to broaden it out. I will lean on other folks to talk baseball because I can't stand baseball. Yeah, I you know, <laughs> just can't stand it. I don't care. You know, kudos to David Grubb for MLBro.com. But no, mean baseball, just I won't discuss it. I can have other folks talk about it and share their knowledge about it. I'm fine with that. All right, we're going to close it out. Hang tight. Stay tuned for follow us on Twitter to see the next our next date for our next show. But we're going to do this. And I am serious and Andy and Will agree. We are looking for sponsors for our shows. Hey, we, we all want to eat. 
this is this is a business. This is a platform to share knowledge and insight and information with you. Hit us up, reach out to us, and we can go from there and work with you to uh, get your product out there with this audience. Guys, thank you for your time. Y'all be safe. Take care. We're closing it up. Buck Sons. I got Buck Sons in line. Oh, man. That's the next show, man. We're going to talk about Buck Sons predictions and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's a, well, that's a teaser, man. Well, hey, you know. I'll get my permission. Okay. I don't know who will win. You got to you gotta see. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. In the Let, okay, yeah. Who's going to win the series? Will, Bucks or Hawks? Oh, Bucks. Bucks. So we all, all three bucks. So we, we, we all agree on that. It's that man is going to win. Heaven, heaven help us. You know, we're, we're picking the bucks <laughs> because I don't know, because they really are the better team on paper, but they got to prove it. So, okay. Bucks, Suns will be the matchup. And then we can go from there and talk about if Giannis plays, if he's healthy, how healthy will he be, things like that going forward. But guys, take care. We're going to log out. Hang tight for after we log out.